What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hello, Hidden Gems. It's not every day you get to see us on a Monday and more common to see me, not Dr. John, but he's actually about to do a interview. We were honored to have a pre-screening of an HBO Max docuseries that's coming out on Thursday, February 15th. It's called The Truth About Jim. The documentary director is a friend of ours, someone that has been at our dinner table. It's director Sky Borgman. You might know Sky from the documentaries I Just Killed My Dad, Abducted in Plain Sight, The Girl in the Picture, the latest or newest version of Unsolved Mysteries, and of course, the documentary where we met Sky, Sins of Our Mother, which is why uh, we got to know Sky. We've interviewed her before, and she'll be on here in just a minute with us. And Dr. John, you're going to interview her. It's uh, it's a four-part docuseries, right? We binge-watched it, so I'm trying to remember how many episodes it was. Yep. Four? Four parts. It's going four to be four. on HBO Max. Okay, HBO Max this Thursday, and it's a wild ride, I'll tell you. And do you know what I kind of liked about it, though? On these, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, on these uh, pre-screening, they don't have playback. You just got to watch it. It's special. You're, you're in, and uh, John couldn't pause it every five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's my specialty. Is Let's go back. Let's go back. Yes. But wait, wait, uh, it was, I can't believe you just said that. Right. Right. But it was, it was, um, it was, it was fascinating. I, in my opinion, got better with each episode and we can't wait to listen or, or talk about it with all of you. So we hope that you'll all watch it too. This guy should be here any minute. Well, I, I just want to say that it's good to see you again, Sky. Good to see you too. Always good to see you, John. Thank you. Yeah. The the last time we talked, I'm going to remind you of this because you probably don't remember, but the last, the last time we talked was when you were filming for Sins of Our Mother in Las Vegas. That's the last time I saw you in person. And I actually asked you what you were up to and what projects you were working on. And you said something vaguely about family trauma and the Zodiac killer. And you were pretty vague about it, but for the last 18 months or a couple of years, I keep, you know, saying to Lauren, I'm really curious to see what happened to that project. <laughs> and here it is. Here it is. So I, I learned you, even though you were vague, I, I learned from that brief conversation and you held my curiosity for two years, um, what you were up to and, and it's fascinating. So let me just mention what that project turned out to be. It's the truth about Jim your new documentary. And, and I think I'm going to mention the subtitle too, because it's so critical to understanding this documentary, which is a, a fractured family confronts their dark legacy. And I think that's, that's a really important part of this story. And actually I, I kind of want to start there with you. One of the Sierra says during this documentary that this process, she says, quote, changed our whole family. 
And that's, that's a remarkable thing to occur during the process of a documentary. So, um, so in, in typical Sky Borgman documentary fashion, you not only tell a story, but you affect change and you ask big questions and there's a lot of twists and turns. And so I wanted to start with that issue of the story. So I think in many ways, this is a story about a family transformation. Could you talk a little bit about that issue from your perspective as the director and the filmmaker and kind of what you saw and how you viewed that entire process? Yeah, this, I mean, I guess it's, it's probably safe to say that, that this family was already incredible uh, before, you know, we came in and it's, it's, it's women who are outspoken and, and brave and, sassy and vulnerable and all of the things that make women incredible and and they wanted to tell their story in a public way and i think that 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 one of the things that i always talk about um in telling these kind of stories is that people i i want people to be able to talk about whatever they want to talk about in whatever kind of way they want to talk about it whether it's in a very public forum like what we're doing here or whether it's to your best friend or your spouse or your therapist whoever whoever that may be i want people to be able to talk about their stories these women are well versed at talking they talk to each other they talk about things but but the the next level is like being followed around with a camera right like that's something that yeah. is a whole next level yeah. of like right you're just imposing in people's lives. You're really, you're really taking a step beyond what, what typical people expect. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes it can be very, very challenging in terms of people in close up, but for the most part, people end up opening up in front of cameras and people end up talking about things. And maybe it's because I'm sort of there behind the camera, just saying, we'll talk about this, talk about this, talk about this. And, and it's always a, Look, it's always a very delicate balance because it's it's it can be re-traumatizing. And I and I think I think these documentaries are probably always a little bit re-traumatizing to people, but I also think that they that some of that that trauma or that re-trauma can end up being a good thing because there's not there's not the blame and and hopefully there's not the shame. I think that people carry with them sometimes when they're when they're dealing with talking about abuse and and coercive control and yeah. and violence and so so this family I think it, it has been through everything. The filming process was very challenging for them. It was long for them. It was it was about a year in our entire filming process, um, and so they took a lot of time. We took a lot of breaks. We'd go back out, and I think that was a helpful thing, but um, but it's also an extended thing. And then now, let's face it, it changes again. Like their story, they were telling it with the anticipation that it was going to be public, and now right. in a few days, it's going to be public. So there's a whole nother level that then enters into the equation again. I think there's always that potential for re-traumatization, but. I think in many ways, though, you you avoided that by kind of taking this family on their own journey. And even though there were cameras, I mean, you have to wonder, I wondered, would they have taken this journey with or without you? And the answer to me probably is that they would have. I think they would have. I don't know that it would have been 
it may have taken longer actually, uh, you know, because there's a certainly, there's certainly us kind of going, okay, well, let's do this, let's do this. Um, there were there were certain things that were kind of Sierra's idea. There were certain things that were my idea, but I think it was all, uh, there were certain things that were Shannon's ideas and, 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 and other people's too, but but all with this sort of, you know, the end goal being being the same, like, you know, how do we, how do we work through this family trauma, I think, for all of them? And how do we really ask these, these questions on whether or not Jim Mordecai could have committed greater crimes? And none of them really necessarily having, wanting to prove that to be true, but just kind of going, this is something we've thought about. Let's ask these questions and let's see if we can find answers. I don't want to, I'm, I'm trying not to spoil anything, but um, since you wrapped filming have there been more answers you don't have to answer that if it's we don't have any more answers at this moment in time um uh sierra and and her private investigator nina sort of delivered all of the information they had to the authorities and and they they started looking into it okay and so the process the current stage is that they're still looking into it they're still looking into it yeah okay and look the other hope is that when this show comes out, when this four-part series comes yeah. out, that people who maybe didn't know they knew something can come forward and say, hey, you know, we have this piece of information. Look, if it if it points to Jim, I think the family would be open to hearing that. If it doesn't point to Jim, they would be equally open to hearing that. So so in that regard, there's there's no agenda, but there is a hope that that some some sort of completion could happen to any one of these victims. And of course, you're going to engage all kinds of internet sleuths and detectives. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. So yeah. You're going to, <laughs> that that may have been an unintended uh, side effect here, but but it's going to be interesting to see from my perspective how people approach this and whether there's some pressure put on the police to do something or I don't. You're right. There's going to be you're going to involve millions of you know internet. Yeah loose in this process, which I think yeah. would be interesting. Very interesting. So you kind of mentioned it just in your, your, your first answer, but um, I think one of the motifs here is the, the kind of the intergenerational transmission of trauma. And, you know, it, there's so many ways in which that, that kind of affects this family. Um, could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I, it's very interesting because Jim died when Sierra was 15 years old and she didn't really know him. I mean, she wasn't he wasn't her grandfather that was around all of the time, but she experienced her mother who had been traumatized by Jim for a lot of her life, from her high school life on, and certain ways of relating. They came to kind of figure out, right, because they're both pretty pretty intuitive women and they both talk about their emotions and they talk about their emotions with each other a lot. They yeah. came to kind of figure out that, that, that some of the, the ways that Shannon had been acting and reacting were a direct cause of how she felt about Jim and how she felt about her own mother who had married Jim. And, and there was never a good relationship really between Jim and Shannon, but you see how, how much, how Shannon's emotions sort of were a reflection of Judy and Jim being married. And then how Sierra's emotions are a reflection of Shannon's relationship with Judy and Jim. And so 
it is this, you know, I call the ripple effects of how Shannon deals with things, of how Sierra deals with things, and how this trauma really infiltrates the entire family in, in pretty different ways and without direct contact to the person who created the trauma in the first place. Yeah, right. That's that's one of the fascinating things about the transmission of trauma across generations is that it 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 can have it occurs in often subtle ways, unpredictable ways, unforeseen ways. And I think that's that's a really important part of the documentary and the story you're telling here. It can impact in terms of somebody's shame, right? Or guilt or or even in many cases in families where they don't even know the offender at all. Sierra knew right. him, but not well. Right. And so th- that's another part of this, I think, is is this issue of family secrets. You know, oftentimes family secrets will go hand in hand with family trauma. And there's certainly seems to be a lot of secrets surrounding Jim and his behaviors and how it impacted relationships and how people talked about it. And um, yeah, it's definitely true. There were, look, I think there were a lot of secrets. I think there are fewer secrets now. Um, I think, I think a lot of those secrets have, have sort of bubbled up. And I think in the family, everybody's pretty open about talking about everything or most things, or, you know, the family members beyond even Sierra and Shannon and Judy and into Sierra's aunts who were Jim's, biological daughters and, and son. And, you know, so everybody's talking about it there. I think really it sort of starts at the family and sort of grows out, at least in this circumstance, it starts at the family and grows out. Now it's going to be, you know, people who were very much in support of Jim Mordecai in his small community, like where are they going to land on this? Are they going to still believe that he was a, a, a good upstanding member of the community or are they going to kind of look back and go, oh, I recognize something in this memory I have, or I recognize something in this this action that I witnessed, Jim? Or are they going to, you know, have the experiences where they never saw anything wrong? And so that's where I think the reckoning will be a little bit more substantial because the family, the family kind of knows. And there's look, there's also family members, the Mordecai family members, who are are going to go through a lot when this when this series comes out. Yeah, that was that was a question I had was how the fa- th- that his family would react, and 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 as you pointed out, there there's a part of this documentary when Shannon asks for some help around possibly other victims, and the response. I'm glad you included that. The response was not all warm and fuzzy, right? It was it was an interesting response. It was interesting in the fact that it it wasn't all that surprising, I, I'll say. You know, um, it, <laughs> I mean, it was, I think, I, I know that Shannon was expecting other people to sort of come forward with similar stories to her own. And what she's met with is, is, is a pretty violent sort of um, response from many, many different people and with only a couple, a couple of people saying, yes, I know what you're talking about. Um, and that, I think that, will be interesting, you know, when the, in the life that sort of happens beyond this series, the making of this series, what happens after it airs? Are 
are people going to change their minds? Are there going to be other people who come forward with similar stories? Um, are people going to be able to come forward who are associated with other crimes that we bring up in this series and say, hey, I know something here. Um, but ultimately, I really think what the series is about is, is believing women. It's very much about that. Uh, it's, it's talking about different trauma that has happened to you in whatever way you want to. And it's, and it's, it's about asking questions and it's about sort of seeking answers and, and trying to find the truth of what your family is. And ultimately at the end of the day, it's about the, the bonds of family. And, and sometimes those are unbreakable. Other times they are breakable, but in this circumstance, I think Sierra going out and talking to her family members and, and asking them really deep questions was, was, was a really, really great, great place for her to be hard, but it was helpful. Yeah. And I would, I would add to that list, the, the importance of listening. Yeah. You know, towards the end, I think Sierra says something to the effect of when she's bringing this information to police, she says, it was amazing that someone listened to me. Yeah. Right. And, and, but the, I guess the other side of that is you can have someone listen but if they discount what you're saying or dismiss it, then that's a problem too. Yeah. I don't know if I'd consider that listening if they dismiss it, you know, right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. they may have heard what you had to say, but they may not have been listening. But, but look, right. I mean, I think that's, I think that's our, you know, as women um, or as, or as, you know, disenfranchised people too, I think it's our experience a lot of times with law enforcement that, that we aren't listened to. And, and, and I think, I think it's getting better. I think, you know, we're, we're, we've got a more complex idea of what trauma is, of how to listen to victims, um, how to hear victims, how to not blame victims. I think, I think understanding is getting to be better. I don't think it's there a hundred percent yet. I wish it was further along, but, but I think, you know, that's why I do these shows, because you, you do see that people are still struggling with being heard. They're struggling with being listened to. They're struggling with being believed. And and it doesn't seem like that that big of a, a, a shift to just believe. And and it and it is it is a big shift. Yeah, I mean, it, right. You, you bring up a really important point, which is that that not just listening, but, but believing victims is, is foundational. Yeah to our criminal justice system. And I think a lot of people don't understand that the numbers that, that <laughs> although many people claim that there's these false reports of, of sexual assaults or right. The, the reality is, and I've worked for victims, by the way, I worked with victims for years, for many, many years. And of the hundreds of, of victim interviews and reports I've read and evaluations, I've, I've encountered maybe a few. Yeah. That, I, that I thought weren't real or weren't accurate. And so the numbers are less than 1% of victims that will give false accounts. And then, and then why are they giving false accounts? Like what's in their history that sort of led them to this place of giving a false account? Like there's just, it's just not black and white. You know, there's nothing right. black and white about any of it. Right, right. And, and yes, exactly. And so um, many times when they're, you know, making false accusations, right, there's, there's red flags to kind of indicate why they're doing it or, you know, it's, it's pretty clear cut, but yeah. for the most part, the system is, is really amazing at acknowledging just, I mean, not, not as you point out, it's not, 
it's not completely there, but it's for the most part, and it probably depends on where you are in the country, but certainly, but it's, the system is pretty good about yeah. taking many reports seriously and with only the victim's account to go on. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I think Sierra, I think Sierra experienced that when she, when she, you know, ends up taking her, all of her information to law enforcement, um, she feels heard. And, um, and it's, yeah. it's such a weight because she goes in expecting not to, and, and, and she really does feel hurt at the end of it, which I think was really, really a powerful moment for her. Yeah, I agree. And then you have this other issue of her own, her own traumas. Right. And that is really what sparked all of this was, was the, the assaults that happened to Sierra and, and her starting to really question kind of where she fits into this world and, and, and that was really kind of the motivator, I think, for Sierra to start thinking about the world in a different way and thinking about her place in the world a different way and, and, and trauma and, and then sort of talking to her mother and talking to her grandmother about the, the trauma that had come from, from her step-grandfather. And it, it seemed like she had that this process helped that as well. I think it did. I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, the process of doing the documentary was was hard. It was hard for everybody involved, but everybody feels that that it was a good process that you came out. I mean, everything worthwhile is hard, I guess, really. <laughs> and so yeah. so to be able to sort of come out the other end and say, yeah, this is this is I think they all feel that they're in a better place than they were before it started. Okay. Yeah, that that's great. And that uh, that really comes through in the documentary. So uh, I would highly recommend that people watch this if for no other reason than to see how a family goes through confronting past traumas and how they deal with it in a very deliberate, um, emotional sometimes way, um, but in yeah. a very pr productive way. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all very good at communicating. So it's, it's, it is an example of that. I agree. So the other, the other side of this equation is Jim, right? I mean, he's obviously the title of the documentary. And so I think one thing, and, and this is something that I deal with in my work all the time, but um, just a reminder of the incalculable damage that narcissists and predators and, and people like Jim do to communities, to families, to, uh, you know, to, to individuals, to relationships, right? It's yeah. just, it's hard to really, it's hard sometimes to understand how deep the impact of somebody like Jim Mordecai can be. It absolutely is. And I think, I think it, especially in this series, it becomes very, very clear because you see sort of Sierra and her immediate family. And then you see Jim's, Jim's daughters and how, and how they talk about their relationship with Jim. And then, and then also there's, there's Michael um, who is, is kind of the male victim of the family and he carries a fair amount of guilt along, you know, with, with him. And, and, and it's just, and it trickles down, you know, I, I think about how Jim's, abusive behavior trickles down to Sierra's relationship with her mom. You know, when if Sierra has children, how is that abusive relationship? I mean, it may be 
a lesser sort of trickle that happens between Sierra and, and any of her children that she may have. But I think it's still going to be there, you know, in terms of how how she knows how to relate with people. And 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 it's, you know, it's with people that you end up, you know, in relationships with. It just it trickles down everywhere. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And communities too, right? Yeah. So yeah, it'd be very interesting to see the the Half Moon Bay community and, and what happens in that in that community after this comes out because it's 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 a small community. It's look, it's very distant from this time when Jim Mordecai was there as a teacher. Yeah. But but it's going to I mean, just the fact of this documentary sort of coming out is going to it's going to upset that community. Yeah. Well, it, it seems like it. it you planted the seeds for that a little bit with Shannon, yeah. You know, kind of putting it out there, but um, yeah, I, I, the the response, I I didn't expect that that much of you know that much backlash with with her request, but maybe it's just that I'm used to working with victims. But right, yeah, yeah. It didn't surprise me in in terms of that it is a pretty insular community. It's it's a pretty um, you know they kind of they it's a small community. Look, it's it's not far from San Francisco Bay. I mean, Half Moon Bay is a, I think it's a half an hour drive, you know, away and it's a, a coastal town, but it's a small, it's a small town and, and they've got a lot of pride. And I think, I think a lot of those statements were maybe prideful ones. In, in talking about the impact of Jim, one of the things that, that Sierra said was that he quote, intimidated the family into silence. Right. So I, I think that's a big part of this. Um, and there's, there's several of the victims that were clearly assaulted and impacted by that. And none of them filed a report or none of them came forward, right? And so you, you kind of have that, that underlying issue of victims speaking openly right. about their crimes and, you know, the, the age old thing about why, you know, why aren't they coming forward? Why aren't they talking? Um, if they're not talking, does that mean that this didn't happen? You know, if they come forward 20 years later, right. Does that, does that mean that they're, they're not being truthful, right? All those questions. So you, you raise some of those issues as well. A quick word from our sponsor. While Shopify has already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. Did you know Shopify could do the same thing for your very own retail store? With Shopify, you unite both in-person and online sales, tracking every sale in one place. Hidden True Crime uses Shopify's tools to help us build marketing campaigns for all of our social media platforms, and their plug-in tools are as unique as our business, allowing us multiple ways to accept payments and promote our store. Plus, Shopify's help is always there to support our success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hidden true crime, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash hidden true crime for a $1 per month trial period to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash hidden true crime. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Yeah, and, and I'll also add to that, you know, that the fact that, that some of these victims were children, you know, were, were uh, and so, and looked up to this 
either father figure or or person of power, teacher figure. You know, this he definitely had a position of power both in his family and at the school. And so there's there's that that sort of complicates things as well. And and just this look, I I would imagine or I would at least think that people, young adults, children now, you know, have more agency to sort of tell someone that they know, love, or trust. But at the same time, I mean, Jim was one of those people. He was one of those people that would fit into that category of tell someone that you know, love, or trust. And that's 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 part of the reality of that situation. Yeah, and I, I think you you made it clear that this is someone who's a very intimidating guy. He's threatening yeah. to to slit people's throats. He's right. He's, he's this, this is not, he's, he's not, he's not being subtle no. about his threats, right? It, that he's, he's got guns, he's got knives. Right. So, I mean, in addition to, I think the shame, several of the victims mentioned that the deep shame they felt um, there's this overarching fear. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of fear. Everybody experiences, or who knew Jim, sort of, uh, that we spoke to experienced a lot of fear in his presence and um, fear of of retaliation, if anything, if they did talk about anything. Yeah, uh, right. I mean, he to me, he just comes across as this really angry, kind of yeah. belligerent guy who yeah. who hides behind, I don't know, I, I don't, I guess we don't have time to get into the, <laughs> his, his delusional belief system, but Maybe we can save that for some other time, but yeah. Um, but on this note too, the, the the mention the word grooming was brought up a lot, right? And I, I think that it's important for people to understand the importance of what that means and how he did groom his victims here. Yeah, I mean, you, I'm sure you know sort of the stages of grooming in a much more sort of specific, direct way um, than I do. But but there's there's definitely a way of sort of isolating these people and making them feel special and then making them feel like they, that he is, is a person that can deliver whatever they want. I mean, Jim was known to, you know, take them, take some students on trips, you know, where they were alone in their car together and giving them special attention and making them feel, you know, much more special than maybe other people in the class, but really sort of making them feel special and, and pulling them away from other people and offering them something that nobody else could offer them. You know, these are all pretty classic grooming, grooming techniques. And then to the point where it makes people feel like nothing wrong happened or I kind of wanted it to happen or I let it happen. And so that chain that they carry with them sort of is an insurance plan, you know, to, to make them or to ensure that they're not going to talk. And so there are a lot of these things that Jim did, I think within the, within the family and within students that he had in his class that are absolutely grooming techniques. Yeah, for sure. And in addition, I would mention that, that a lot of the offenders I've worked with, are masterful at finding victims that are a little bit more passive and they come from families that are broken often. Right. And that, that was a theme here. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because it, you know, and Jim's position in the school, right. He kind of knew what family structures were and with friends of, of his kids, you know, he knew what those family structures were. And so he was able to sort of, to sort of target, target his victims in a much more sort of specific way. Maybe, maybe some, some victims or people that see this documentary will maybe they'll feel somewhat more empowered to come forward or hopefully that can be a, a positive outcome here too as well. Yeah. And just to even, you know, 
even just the greater understanding of it, of what was happening, you know, maybe they can see some similarities between how, how they were treated and, or how Jim treated somebody else in class and, and either come forward or, or, or share their story with somebody that they trust. So I'm trying to be cognizant. I think we're, I'm... I, I got a question. Uh, you're killing okay. me. You're okay. killing me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the elephant in the room like the whole ending like we're all you know we're waiting with bated breath guy um john and i talked about whether we think you know what we think about jim john has obviously done some profiling and he's like you know it it, it laying it all out yeah i get it i get it we know that you did hundreds of hours that we never got to see what do you think what do you think do you think we're gonna find some surprises after this airs i think anything is possible <laughs> would it, would okay. it, yeah, would we spoil the whole documentary if we right we might if we mention too much but it's guys watch it that's all i'm saying just watch I, I, it so that we can speculate together here at hidden true crime what do you guys think i think he's so. i think there's a really the the hog tying part is just too specific. That's what I think too. That's a very okay. specific. And, and look, the the location of things is very specific. The hog tying is is very specific. There there are a lot of a lot of specificities that um, that point to a certain thing. Um, whether or not yeah. there will ever be proof, or whether or not it's actually true, who knows? To be determined. Yes, <laughs> we'll all be watching it. We'll all be watching it. We'll be discussing it with our gems later the truth about jim so we want everyone to watch it so that we can then talk freely about this with all of our gems and all of our listeners and viewers we're so grateful that you awesome. joined us thank today. you so much for having it's me it's so good to see you again you too you're welcome at our house anytime again okay anytime i'll come, you're I'll come back sometime okay <laughs> we'll see you thanks okay. bye. all right bye bye, -bye. bye. sorry i jumped in there babe i i, I couldn't uh, not ask guy that question you're killing me there. I just wanted to know what she thought. Well, and I know I'm you're avoiding to, the spoilers. <laughs> I'm trying to stay away. People aren't going to watch it if we tell them. Right. So I, I was trying to be respectful to her with. Spoiler alerts. Without, yeah. Without any spoiler alerts. So if I jumped in and say, Hey, did you know, I mean, she kind of said there's no updates. So that's, that was good. But I mean, they don't want updates, right? Like she, we she, want updates. I want an update. I want an update now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, but I mean, for as as you like, the the true crime community is going to jump on this thing big time now because I hope they do. I right, hope they do. Hidden gems. They're, gonna, they're probably going to put some pressure on the police to do. Anyway, um, anything else you missed wanting uh, that you were talking to her about or wanting to clarify? I, I meant I noticed that you said I had a question for you. You said that the system is pretty good now at listening to victims, and that actually confuse me because so many times I feel like they aren't or, or what did you mean by that that was a question I had for you I mean the judicial system will take seriously reports of sexual assault or abuse based on the victim statements okay so I mean obviously it's it's preferred if they have evidence and they can back things up I mean that's Generally speaking, they they they're going to look for evidence to support any statements. They're not going to just go on the statement alone. So, so they'll corroborate information for sure before they'll make charges usually. But 
oftentimes the statements will lead the process. Okay. And the statements are sufficient for them to begin the investigations and you know, that they're not, they're not just throwing out every statement from a victim. That makes sense. Whereas, whereas I think back in the seventies, sixties and seventies, they would have, you know, the, the, in the documentary, Shannon goes to the school guidance counselor and says, Hey, this guy's abusive. And they laugh at her. Right. So that's what I mean is that, that I think over time, the system has improved in terms of taking victim reports and statements more seriously than say 40, 50 years ago, or even 30 years ago. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. That makes sense. Yeah. It was, it was disheartening to hear how many people were not believed. The other thing I wanted to ask you about too, or no, not ask you, I just want to talk about it. Um, I was more with Sky, not surprised that there were, there, there was not all these victims wanting to come forward, but I actually think that's because even though you work with victims and that's your job, you don't always see social media, which is the way so many people communicate now. And it's so public and people can be so, um, I don't know how to explain it. Well, you've seen some of our comments, but I feel like, uh, so opinionated, polarized polarized that's a good yeah opinionated uh, humans have always been opinionated i i love opinions um i love a good debate yeah polarizing is maybe a better word or um angry or but i i i I was so my surprise was that she put out there the fact that there were a number of victims and I don't know how much, how many details she provided, but just the, I didn't expect the responses to be so strong. And, you know, that there was, there's, there appeared to be a theme a motif there of, no, he's a great guy. You know, he's dead. You know, you, you know, this is, you know, you're slandering a dead guy. He can't defend himself, right? I mean, I get that. I, I that was were concerns, some concerns I had about the documentary to begin with, but but on the other hand, like Sky's point is, the victims are saying that they were assaulted. Why aren't they in their responses? Why aren't they respecting that a little bit? In other words, they're they're dismissing that outright, and they're they're defending him. They're defending this guy that could very well be that it seems to me there's a high probability who could be the Santa Rosa hitchhiker killer, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you can, you can bet they're all going to change their tunes. If the DNA comes back and matches his, I, you know, you're, you're, they're jumping on this bandwagon that's really dismissing victims without that much evidence. They're just, you know, they're in, and in in a, in a peculiar way, they could end up trying to defend a horrendous serial killer. Sure, if, I guess if that's the way if that's the way it turns out. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. So, from my perspective, going back to social media and what I see and how I see people argue, you know, um, the way that the victims from Tim Ballard are being dismissed right now, because Tim Ballard is a hero. Tim Ballard right. is a great guy. Yeah. 
and it's true. And he's he, he's a he's a victim of these victims or his alleged victims. I feel like history right. repeats itself. And and when people, I feel like especially people, you know, we're always watching true crime documentaries and we're always hearing about this one person who was this great community leader. Yet when it happens to us or in our community or someone that we believe is a great guy, we are so quick to dismiss anyone that tells us otherwise. Like you'd think that we'd learn. I, I was taking notes during it um, on my phone. Signs of a psychopath to me, the most charming man you've ever met or your worst nightmare is how they explained him to be. The line, the manipulation, the mask, the pointing the finger at the victims, the good guy persona that no one can imagine is anything like this mask. There was religious and spiritual abuse. He was, uh, you know, a religious giant to many. He felt like he was going to change the world. I'm like, that sounds familiar to so many of these people. Always being the victim to gain people's sympathy. You know, it's all about his pain, being misunderstood, being bullied. All he wants to do is do good. We all think we can see this good person and we won't be manipulated. Now I'm just reading my notes like I'm in high school again. Here's my book report. Here's my book report on what we just watched. We all think we can see a good person and we won't be manipulated. And people who shut down victims because they know that this person just couldn't be who these victims say he is. I feel like I see this every day covering true crime. Every day. And I guess out of all of the cases we've covered, most specifically with Tim Ballard, but when we put out a lot of our Jody Hildebrandt stuff, people wrote us and said a lot of the victims were coming forward were bad and wanting fame too. You know, it's just it's this pattern that I see every day. Well, one thing I didn't have a chance to talk to Sky about was so you're 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 getting into this issue of confirmation bias. Uh -huh. And I, I think that's that's a theme throughout this documentary as well. In different, in many different ways, by the way, it manifests itself quite differently depending on how you see this documentary. But that's that's certainly one place where people that knew him, even if they didn't go to school with them or have any direct contact with him, they already had an opinion. They were already biased and they were going to support that opinion. Even if you show them evidence that this guy was a serial killer, they weren't going to believe that. Right. So yeah. uh, I, I, and I don't know, maybe, maybe if you match his DNA to a serial killer, maybe then they believe it. But even then I'm not sure they'll say that the, the, the DNA was corrupted. Right. I don't know. I mean, you're right. We live in a world where that's so polarized and there's so much confirmation bias that the people just, they can't see out of their, Narrow percept perceptions of the world. So, you see that in this 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 documentary as well. Not just not just in terms of how the community reacts to Shannon's request to potentially identify other victims that from Jim, but also you kind of see it with Sierra that she's she might be chasing phantoms to some degree at some point, right? Like. She kind of wants him to be something too. And maybe he's right. not. Right. I'm so yeah, he's the Zodiac killer. Right. That she goes down the the rabbit hole of, you know, is he the Zodiac, right? And and um I I don't know the Zodiac case that well, but I know that the main suspects that have been identified are not this guy. And his 
his crimes are primarily sexual. He seems to be more of a sexual predator, right? And and zodiacs were not. So um, that yeah. which is not which is not to say, as as Sierra says in the documentary, it's possible that the zodiac graduated to these other types of crimes, and and maybe that's true. I, you know, it's not. There is, by the way, a partial DNA pro, DNA profile of the zodiac. So now that they have Jim Mordecai's DNA, you'll have a bet. Let, let's you could you could match him to Zodiac, and you could match him to other potential serial killers. So I, I guess in theory, they could find out. Law enforcement could find that out if they wanted to pursue it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So much to be determined. This will not be the last time we talk about the truth about Jim. Yeah. One thing I want to say too, to just the point I brought up, yes, confirmation bias, I agree. But I think you also have the benefit of being a psychologist and I have the benefit of living with you and learning so much from you. But I also think there's something just simple like the goodness of human beings. And I remember reading a quote once about how, you know, almost like nobody really believes in a psychopath or let's say psychopathy or whatever, or, or antisocial traits or so, you know, sociopathy until they experience it because they just can't believe that people like this exist. And I also think that's a part of it, which is also why understanding true crime and human beings are so important because I think it's not just, it is confirmation bias but it's also not being able to comprehend that that criminal we watch documentaries about could be that guy you go to church with right. and that guy you really like and that there's a part of humanity that maybe you or me or my friend can't fully understand, which is why we can't wrap our head around the fact that Chad Daybell buried two children in his yard. I'll never forget his neighbors defending him until those children were found or the fact that his children still defend him. So I also think there's maybe a part of that too, and that you have that benefit of having a PhD in understanding these things. And it's so hard for a regular human being to grasp it too, that these people are, are not normal like you and me. Right. Sorry about a little soapbox, but that was something that I kept thinking about during this documentary. True. It's, it's, you know, it's that issue is, is actually historically it's a part of the field of psychology in the sense that actually I, I talk about this quite a bit or, or enough, but that when Freud was developing his ideas back in, you know, 19th century Vienna, that he had this thing called the seduction hypothesis and the seduction hypothesis essentially said that a lot of families had that a lot of the clients that were coming to him were sexually abused. And so the seduction hypothesis was based on the idea that there was a lot of sexual abuse going on in, in homes in Victorian Vienna back when Freud was developing his main ideas. And there was huge backlash to that in the sense that people couldn't imagine all these prim and proper families, you know, middle-class, middle-upper-class families 
mainly middle upper class families that these these people were coming to Freud for help and he was seeing this but they refused to accept the fact that that type of abuse could happen in their community and so Freud actually then changed his theory to saying that the abuse wasn't actual it was imagined that it was the fantasy of the abuse that was creating a lot of the problems and not the actual abuse and so that was something that the community apparently could live with a lot more than the reality and wow he fram you know the the term freud used to describe that was what he called the family romance which is that families develop these narratives about how everything's perfect and there's no abuse right and it it's 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 a way of glossing over the fact that families are not always perfect and that oftentimes there is or can be abuse and so i think you you have a version of that here wow i agree thanks for sharing that anything else before we stop recording we talked a lot longer than we thought we would um, after Sky left, right. anything else you wanted to talk to Sky about um, that you want to bring up here, or you feeling good? Uh, I so the the confirmation bias issue was something I did want to talk to her about, but didn't have a chance to. But we talked about it, so I think I'm okay. But um, not really. I think I, I if we had a little more time, or if I had a little more time with her, I might have gone a little bit deeper into some of the issues we did talk about. But other than that, I think I covered most of the talking points I wanted to discuss with her. Yeah. Yeah. You did great. We, we were honored. She even gave us 30 minutes today. Um, she's appearing many places today and we're so grateful yeah. sky that you made time for us and um, really watch this, watch this HBO max documentary, the truth about Jim so that we can keep talking about it. <laughs> and then I, yeah, then delve down some rabbit holes because there are definitely some rabbit holes now. <laughs> All right. I'll just hit this and we'll see you guys. Okay. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Hello, Hidden Gems. It's Lauren with Hidden, a true crime podcast. For exclusive content, things Dr. John and I only dare say behind a paywall, become a Patreon member at patreon.com slash hidden true crime. You'll find bonus episodes, early releases, and insider info. Thank you for your endless support. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.